Convicted and Convinced, a message from God's Word for you. And now, here's Dr. Dan Gerard. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5, 6, and 7, there is a biblical edition formula that we have been studying, and we have taken note how this formula will assist us to be people of excellence. I read from the Word of the Lord, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. This is the final session in the sermon series that we have been looking at. We have come to the last element, that of charity. And charity is another word for love. And so I read again from 2 Peter chapter 1, part of verses 5 and 7. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to brotherly kindness, charity. To properly understand what charity is, it will greatly benefit us to understand what charity is not. There are at least four things that I want to share with you very briefly as to what charity is not. Number one, charity is not emotions per se. As we noted in our last session, emotions are important. Emotions are important because God created us with the ability not only to experience, but also to express emotions. You and I were created as emotional people. But charity, love, is not emotions. Secondly, charity is not expressions per se. Now, what do I mean by this? Love is not words by themselves that I speak about my relationship with God or my relationship with others. It is important to be expressive because God created us to be expressive people. God created us to verbalize. You will remember that one of the first things that Adam did was to give names to the animals. He verbalized. He then verbalized, no doubt, as God presented him with the helpmate that was bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh, and called her woman. But as important as words are, words that we speak, expressions that we make, words and expressions about love, they are not love itself. Thirdly, charity is not exercise per se. Now, by this I mean those religious acts that you and I engage in. And as important as these religious acts may be, as important as these Christian expressions may be, they are not charity. 
Now, what are some of these acts or exercises that we perform? One of them could actually be church attendance. Do you understand that it is possible to go to church on a regular basis and not love to go to church? There are actually people who go to church because they want to please their husband, they want to please their wife, they want to please their parents. Another exercise could be financial giving. Do we really understand that it's possible to give to the church financially and not love to give to the church? And so I ask the question, could this be one of the reasons why the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver? Fourthly, charity is not efforts per se. And by this I mean the good works that you and I might do. What are some of the good works that we might perform? We can actually perform some of these good works and they not flow out of genuine love. Will you agree with me that helping the poor is a good work? You agree, don't you? Absolutely. But as important as this is, it is not necessarily in itself love. I'm not being critical, I'm not being judgmental, but there are some people who involve themselves in good works, projects, and they do not do so because of love. They do it out of a motive to be recognized by others, to receive credit, accolades for their efforts. And it's so easy, if you and I are not careful, to mistake some of these good efforts for charity. Now, having looked at what charity is not, let's notice what charity is. What is charity? What is love? I believe with all of my mind and all of my heart that the Bible teaches unequivocally that charity, that love is a principle. Love is not emotion. Love is not expression. Love is not exercise. Love is not effort. Love is a principle. And when you and I operate our lives and we base our living on principle and not on emotion, not on expression, not on exercise, not on efforts, then we find ourselves being much more satisfied in our relationship with God and in our relationships with one another. Because if we base our life and our living on emotion and expression and exercises and efforts, my brothers and sisters, we are setting ourselves up for disappointment and to disappoint others. And so we need to understand with mind and with heart that love is a principle, and this principle is an active principle. It is not passive. I direct our attention to 1 John chapter 4 
and verse number 16. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. And underscore these next three words. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. So what is the principle? I just said that love is a principle. So what is the principle? The principle is God is love. Now follow me very closely. God operates the way He does because of who He is. May I repeat that? God operates the way He does because of who He is. And when you and I begin to function on the basis of who God is in our minds, in our hearts, we will become much more productive for the cause of heaven. Now drop down to verse number 19, because this is also a vital part of the principle, God is love. We love Him, speaking of God, and as if someone were about to ask, well, why do we love Him? The answer resounds, we love Him because He first loved us. My friends, we love God because of who God is. But we also love God because of what God has done for us. And both of these comprise the principle of love. I made the statement a few moments ago that this principle is an active principle. It's not passive. And by being active, I mean there is a specific to this activity. And the specific is obedient action. Obedient action. And so I ask myself the question, how do I know that I'm operating in conjunction with this principle? And I pose the same question to you. How do you know that you're operating in conjunction with this principle? Very important questions, but you and I are not left to guess. The answer is plainly given in God's Word. First John chapter 5, verses 2 and 3, look at this. By this we know. See, God wants you and God wants me to be convinced of something, and what is it? By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and underscore keep His commandments. Now, in your translation, that word keep may be translated by another word, and that word is obey. This is why we must accept that this principle of love is active. Let me read it again. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. The principle of love is not passive. The principle of love is active. I've discovered in my lifetime 
that there are three aspects of obedience that are extremely important to me, and I want to share these with you. Number one, there is what I call complete obedience. Now, what do I mean by this? Complete obedience means that I am willing to do all that I know to do. That's complete obedience. Secondly, there is curious obedience. Now, what do I mean by this? Curious obedience is desiring to know all there is to know. What I'm about to say is not meant to be critical, it's not meant to be judgmental, but there are some people who actually believe strongly in the concept that if we do not know it, then we are not going to be held responsible for it. One of my professors in the Pentecostal seminary that I attended made a statement that registered deep in my mind and heart as a young Christian. He said, brothers and sisters, God is not only going to hold you accountable for what you know, God's going to hold you accountable for what you are capable of knowing. And so all of my Christian life, I have been curious. I have wanted to understand, to know what God wants me to know so that I can do what God wants me to do. And then thirdly, that's what I, there's what I call creative obedience. And by this I mean that we are looking constantly for ways that will enable us to please God. We're not only curious, but we are exploring actively ethical possibilities to please our Heavenly Father. And so, why is charity so important? Why is it important that you add charity to your faith? Why is it important that I add charity to my faith? Why is it important that we add charity to these other elements of the biblical addition formula listed in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5, 6, and 7? For two reasons. Number one, charity is important because this kind of love is practical in nature. Go with me to Matthew chapter 22, beginning in verse 34. But when the Pharisees had heard that Jesus had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked Jesus a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. Now, did you notice as I read these verses how love is active here? Also, did you notice the positive aspect of this principle of love? Jesus made it very clear to that individual 
And God's Spirit is wanting to make it clear to you and to me today that this kind of love is practical in our relationship with God. Now, in your mind and in your heart, I want you to draw a line back to Exodus chapter 20, verses 3 through 11. In Exodus chapter 20, verses 3 through 11, God spoke about four commandments. And these four commandments reveal a practical love relationship that our Heavenly Father desires for you and for me to have with Him. Question, what would it be like in our individual lives? What would it be like in our families? What would it be like in our churches? What would it be like in our world if these four practical relationship commandments of love were kept? I tell you what it would be like. It would be a whole lot better than it is. Now, let's continue reading in Matthew 22. Verses 39 and 40. And the second, Jesus said, is likened to it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And as if someone were about to ask the question, well, why is this love principle so imperative? The master responded then and still responds today on these two commandments. Hang all the law and prophets. Now, in your mind and heart, draw a long line back to Exodus chapter 20, verses 12 through 17. Because in Exodus chapter 20, verses 12 through 17, God spoke about six commandments. Six commandments that reveal a practical love relationship that God desires that mankind have among ourselves in our relationships with each other. Question, what would it be like in our individual lives? What would it be like in our families? What would it be like in our churches? What would it be like in our world if these six practical relationship commandments of love were kept, I tell you what it would be like. It would be a whole lot better than it is. The second reason charity is important is because this kind of love is the more excellent way. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 31, After dealing with the spiritual gifts, Pastor Paul was inspired to conclude that chapter with these words, but covet earnestly the best gifts. Now, there are very few things that you and I are to covet. Would you agree with me? Because one of the commandments is, thou shalt not, what? Thou shalt not covet, but it is conditional, that commandment. There is a good kind of coveting, and this is the best coveting that you and I could ever engage in. 
Look at it. But covet earnestly the best gifts. And yet show I unto you, underscore, for the rest of your life, a more excellent way. And then as if someone were about to ask, Pastor Paul, what is the more excellent way? He continues through inspiration to pen in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. You see, it's possible to be expressive about love and still not be participating in the principle of love. I can tell my wife all day and all night long that I love her. But if I just say those words without meaning it in my heart, is it really love? And so he said, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. You see, my brothers and sisters, we can be involved in all of these activities, but if we do not have the principle of love in operation, we are nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things, and underscore charity never faileth. I want you to underscore, my friends, for the rest of your life in living, those words, charity never faileth. Now, we noted a few moments ago that love is a principle, and the principle is God is love. Now, follow me very closely. This phrase, charity never faileth, is the principle in execution. Charity never fails. And why will love never fail? You ever ask yourself that question? Why will charity never fail? Love will never fail because God is love. That's the principle. And as long as there is God, there is love. And God has no beginning, and God has no ending. God is love. 
And if you and I are operating in this love principle, it will make all the difference in all the world. And we will respond to the glory of God in verse number 13. And now abideth faith. And now abideth faith and hope. And now abideth faith, hope, charity. These three, but the greatest of these is charity. Why is the greatest of these charity? Because love is the more excellent way. And when you and I talk love, when you and I walk love, when you and I talk the more excellent way, when we walk the more excellent way, we will indeed be people of excellence because that's the way people of excellence function in the more excellent way. I want to be that type person, don't you?
Dr. Dan Gerard is the pastor of University Parkway Seventh-day Adventist Church in Pensacola, Florida. Our weekly podcasts are recorded every Saturday morning. Bible study begins at 9.30. The sermon begins at 11. You are invited to join us. We live stream the 11 o'clock service. You can catch that broadcast at our website, universitypkwy.org or at Livestream. A library of previous messages is available on our YouTube channel and on our website. Thank you for listening.